Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ballplayer podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us here on our 74th episode of the podcast, where we get a chance to talk to head coach at Loyola Blakefield, Mike Kelly. Coach Kelly's been the skipper there at Loyola Blakefield since 2017. Before that, he was the assistant coach for the Dons starting in 2012. Formerly, he's been a scout for the Atlanta Braves. He helped coach the Baltimore Johnnies. For those people who don't know what Johnnies are, they are it's a, was, it's a summer league, very similar to like the Cape Cod Valley League, where at that time he was coaching with the Johnnies. He's coached two number one draft picks. He's coached the second pick overall, the fourth pick overall. He's also uh, had a stint with Dundalk Community College, an assistant in the 90s, as well as helping multiple teams through the Baltimore metro area over the years. And overall in his career, he said he would help coach four big leaguers. Not many people can say that, that's for sure. So it's just a different type of talent, different type of breed. And coach Kelly is absolutely kid-driven. You hear that, you hear that in the, the, call, the, call, the call and talk that we have. Kid-driven, player-led, player-coached, however you want to call it. Uh, you hear these things throughout the conversation and what we heard, and that's what I've heard from Coach Kelly, about Coach Kelly, and um, about kids first. You know, and he talks a lot about even just meeting kids and as, as he's recruiting kids for his program, how he's just here to help. And even though you might not be part of his program and still willing to help. And it's very admirable. And it was great to hear a guy that just puts kids first. And another guy here growing the game, putting kids first, putting his self aside for the betterment of the kids and, and the people that he has in front of him. So, uh, took a ton of notes. We talk all throughout his about his program um, from alumni relations to BP. So have your notes ready, because I know I enjoyed my time learning from Coach Kelly. So here he is, Coach Mike Kelly. I started there in 2012 with uh, Jimmy Crowley. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I I kind of you know, been doing this for a while. And, and, you know, a lot of guys are, uh, you know, they played at a high level, but they maybe never really coached. Um, you know, they just, you know, they get, you, a lot of guys get jobs because, you know, of what they did as a player. Um, but coaching is a total different thing. And I think I brought a lot of that to Jim, uh, helped him some, see some things. And we were able to start putting that culture in, uh, you know, back then a little bit earlier. Um, so, uh, really, it's been going on since you know 2012, and and um, but but again, it's nothing like it's your own. You know, when you get the job and you you're the head coach, um, you know you have certain things that you want to do. So um, really, right now, I mean, I feel like we finally have a program up and running. I, I really felt good up until the COVID. I was you know I was like, man, we really finally got it going. And then, uh, you know, the COVID hit and just we hit a brick wall and it, it kind of really hurt us last year. But looking forward to now it's excitement because now I'm looking forward to get back to doing what we were doing preseason, all that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting a now we're getting a new complex. So uh, yeah. we have the indoor uh, thing pretty, pretty hooked up. I mean, we have you know hit tracks in there. We have a drop down cage. We have a huge gym that, you know, it's a, like a field house. You, you don't, you know, most people don't have that. And we can pretty much set up an infield in there. Um, you know, so 
you know, right now I feel pretty good. We, you know, we, we're going to be a younger team this year and I have to, you know, get those guys on board as quick as we can. But, um, you know, I'm feeling good about where the program's headed. Good. Good. That's awesome. Um, just thinking in terms of like the new facilities, you know, that your guys are getting like, how, like, do you explain a little bit about like, is that a lot of like fundraising and stuff that the school has come in and how much, how much did you have to really, did you get many control, you know, how to really kind of work for you with upgrading the facilities? Well, to be honest, we weren't in the original plan. Uh, okay. the, the baseball facility at Loyola is, um, it's, it's tucked in the back, uh, of the, of the, um, campus. The, the campus is beautiful when you, when you pull in and, uh, we played, we've shared that field with the soccer team. So our field is right now, if you went out there, the dimensions are 300 down the left field line to the pole, 425 to left center, mm-hmm. 360 to center and 375 to right. Mm-hmm. So it's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of home runs hit there. Um, we went to I went to a meeting uh, with some donors. Uh, they they told us exactly what the field project was going to be. They asked me to say something. At that point, uh, we were just happy to you know be able to have a field of our own. So you know, soccer's getting a and part of the project. Soccer's getting their own stadium as well. Um, just for us to get them off the field and be able to do stuff in the fall was a big a big thing we we've never had that so we we never use a field in the fall just the uh i guess our football field you know has a a turf field so we would use that to do defensive stuff and then go into the uh into the field house and hit on days when other programs weren't playing but um basically at the meeting they asked me to say something and i i said well i don't know what this means for the baseball program but i appreciate uh you know, the, the ability to be able to practice. And I explained to the people in the room, you know, what the big part of that was and what it meant to the team. But when I left there, I, I was kind of thinking about it. And I'm like, they're going to put this brand new turf soccer, lacrosse stadium type of place. We're not going to have any opportunity after this opportunity to do anything with our field back there. They're not going to roll big dump trucks over a $5 million uh, project to get to our field and do any work. I went to the school and I, you know, I let them know my concerns about that. I do. I'm a hardworking guy. So Mm -hmm. I go there every Sunday morning. Uh, There's certain things that I don't like the way the field looked outside of the field. And I took care of that, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, because I want things to be run the right way. I want things to look the right way. When I bring kids in to look at the school, I want them to see. So a lot of people there respected that. They saw how hard I worked to, to make it the best place I could for our kids. And uh, I guess a little bit of momentum came around to trying to do the baseball field. Originally, we were just going to do the the, the uh, infield. Once uh, I spoke with the guy from Field Turf, uh, the school doesn't know this, but you know, I always I, I grew up in the city, so I know how to get stuff done. <laughs> so uh, uh, I, I had a conversation with the guy from Field Turf. He said, hey, look, you know, most people when when we do the whole plan, you know, they end up going for it because it looks so much better. So he mm-hmm. put the plan together. The school thought he, they were getting just the, uh, the you know, infield diagram. And um, he put a whole spread together with the, the new look, you know, the turf all the way all the way through. And the next thing you know, it looks so good that they couldn't pass it up. So then, you know, we got some baseball people involved in the financial end to try to help out. 
we, we pushed, you know, that envelope and, and, uh, you know, the school really has a great uh, alumni and those people came through, uh, to, to donate, you know, people, I don't know, some of it was, you know, other sports involved and just, you know, benefit, you know, people that wanted to do something nice for the school. And, um, next thing you know, we're, we're rolling, you know, it's, we're going to have a, a nice field there with the new dimensions and, uh, you know, it'll all be turf and uh, it'll be, you know, put us up to speed with some other uh, teams in the, uh, in the league. And hopefully that, uh, that, uh, you know, helps, helps out, helps out the program. Sure. Yeah. I think it's just so valuable because I, I mean, it's not something, you know, doing facilities is important. It's all part of running a program, you know? So I think we're just getting involved and knowing that, Hey, you're at the, maybe talk in front of somebody, you know, those alumni relationships are really important, you know? Um, how do you help grow those relationships from the alumni? What do you guys, do you guys do anything special for them? Well, first thing we did was actually, it's funny you say that. Uh, the first day I took the job, when I had a meeting, I, I, I told uh, the team, you know, our team comprises of a little bit different. So, you know, the team is going to be number one, the school administration, the alumni, the team itself, the kids that are on the team, and then the parents. Uh, most coaches really don't want to deal with all that. They just want to deal with the team. Mm-hmm. At a school like in the MIA, you have to have some type of alumni. The teams that are really good, they have alumni interest. You know, the alumni is very, you know, into their their program. Loyola had never won. They had never won. You know, they, they had good teams. They had really good players, but they never were able to get to the next level and win a championship. So, um, you know, my thought process was, you know, the alumni needs to be more involved. So what I do is I, I write them, I wouldn't say a newsletter, but I email all the alumni that I got in contact with, um, you know, through a couple guys I played with. They helped me, you know, back when I was younger, happened to be alum, Loyola alum. We were able to connect with a bunch of people. Um, we had a couple people that were already in the program that were very, um, supportive, uh, financially and, and everything else. And, um, you know, we, we, we have a, uh, alumni game that we brought in and, and now this yeah. is really gonna, you know, we did that, had a great result the first couple of years we were there. And now this, you know, here will open up the avenues to do even more stuff. So, uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking to, you know, the thing is, as a coach, you can tell all the guys from, you know, the old school guys, you know, the, about the program, but the ones that are really you'll take off with are the guys that I coached, you know, that are my guys. Well, I, I tell guys all the time when, you know, you, if you come to Loyola, you're going to be one of my guys for life, no matter hook or crook or whatever, I'm going to be in your corner and I need, you know, I want them to be in my corner as well. And um, so, you know, that's when I, I think the really the benefits of that are, will take off. And some of our seniors, uh, when I first took over, they've graduated college now. And, um, you know, I still talk to those guys and I'm constantly, you know, checking on them. I get, I get messages from parents every once in a while. Say, Hey man, you know, thanks checking in for what, you know, with my son, you know, sometimes you get some of these kids get to school. They don't want to talk to their parents. They're, they're out there rolling. So, um, they usually give me a, a text back or whatever, or, or sometimes a call, um, but you know that's the way you got to connect with the with the alumni. You have to get them involved. Uh, you know whatever the culture is of the school. You know to try to, you know see how that works and what their mindset is. 
and then and try to incorporate what you think is best, you know, the, the ways to connect with them. Um, so, you know, some of them, it's just been an email. Some of them have kids now, you know, they're in youth baseball. So I'll go out if, if a guy says, Hey, can you come out and help our team? You know, I've done that with some of the guys. Um, you know, I, whatever I can do to, to help that process out. Uh, and I do a lot of it, even not even dealing with the, uh, the program itself. You know, if there's something they need outside of, um, you know, it's not a baseball family or doesn't have anything to do with baseball. I'm always re- you know, ready to help with that as well. So, um, yeah, the alumni, I think definitely in the MIA and this to the other coaches, if they're listening to this, you know, if you don't get in touch with the alumni and I, even at a public school, you know, if you don't get in touch with the alumni, have some type of reach back to get those guys involved, you know, you just don't know, you know, who that may, you know, spark an interest in who they are financially or, you know, just as a person that have connections that can help you. Um, you, you know, those are things that, you know, you have to really be aware of. Sure. No, absolutely. It's, it's all, it's all part of it, you know? Um, but yeah, especially in your, you know, very tough conference and very competitive conference, it's definitely very valuable, but, um, and I'm sure they're appreciating all your hard work as well, coach. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, just another part, like, cause you said, uh, before, you know, uh, winning championships, you know, um, you know, I know that's something that you're bringing to Loyola, um, and you have brought. And so what do you think, you know, what, it, what has allowed you to take that next step? You know, what's, what do you feel like is, was besides like, you know, you've reached out to the alumni and the support you're getting there. What else do you feel is a factor? Well, you know, you have to get, the, you know, number one, you have to get the players. And, um, you know, you have to get the players to come to school. I've been blessed with, uh, you know, the first three, four years there, uh, you know, an unbelievable roster of talent, you know, so uh, that that's number one. But number two is the culture. You know, you have to set the standard right away of the way you want the, the program to be run. The um, And then the kids have to buy in. And, you know, every year is a different level of buy-in. But I can tell you when you win the championship, either you have the most talent in the league or you have the best uh, culture on your team for whatever program wins it. Uh, this year it was probably Gilman. They, you know, you have to give them credit. They, you know, they seem like they have a, they had a really good team uh, mix in Calvert Hall the year before. You know, that's the way I look at it. I, I think the best team doesn't always win, but the best team wins. Um, what I mean by that is the most talent doesn't always win, but the people that are together, generally, if they're talented enough uh, to mesh that and their culture together, they're going to win. And, uh, you know, they have to buy in 100 percent. And that comes the hardest part of that is getting the last man on your team, the last talent, the least talented person to be all in. And when you do that, then you have something really special. And that, that's what I've tried to do there. It, it's difficult. I, I know when it works and when it doesn't. The first year we had some kids that were had played with me. One kid had played with me since he was seven years old. So, you know, I had a good idea. Uh, you, know, you know, he had a good idea of the way I like to do things. And uh, a couple other kids, you know, had been there for a while. The whole team bought into everything I was saying. And the last couple of weeks of the season, you know, the coaching staff didn't do anything. <laughs> we just, we let them go. They, they knew how to run the practice. They knew how to get the field ready. They did everything. They were, you know, it was awesome. 
And, uh, you know, I had a good feeling going into the playoffs that just from the actions of the team that, you know, something like that may happen. But the, the culture is the big thing for me, you know, of getting, you know, guys to buy in. And then they have to buy into, you know, what you're actually teaching as far as the baseball end of it goes. Uh, you know, and they have to play the way you, you, you want the program to run. Getting that to happen is very difficult in high school because a lot of times you're only getting the kids for two years sometimes, um, you know, and, and that can be that can be uh, a hard a hard thing to do. It doesn't sound like it would be, but when they're out playing and showcase baseball, it's totally different than high school. So, you know, those guys are out there. Generally, they're, you're playing for yourself most time. There's not like when I grew up, you know, I played for, you know, local teams. We all knew each other. And, you know, it's just a different vibe out there. So high school baseball is, is difficult. They have to adjust to that. Every team, every coach, we have to adjust to that, understand what's going on outside, and then clue them in to how it's got to work at the competitive level uh, to get the kids all on the same page. So adjust on how players are, I guess you, what you're saying is adjust how – like their mindset of if they are just to kind of get them wrapped around the team concept and having being for the team is what you're saying. Yep. Yeah. I mean, look, for example, we played one of our first games last year was against Curly. Um, you know, we went out there in the first couple winnings. It was eight to one. Uh, we had one kid or I think we had two kids or I'm sorry, three kids total that had played a varsity baseball game because of COVID the JV kids that were coming up. They had never they missed the whole year and they were seniors and they hadn't played at that competition at that level. Mm-hmm. You know, they we come back and lost. They they came back and beat us. You know, when it's eight to one in a in a three in a, in a third inning in a showcase game, the game's over. You know, not many teams really even care enough to come back. <laughs> but you know, when you're playing in the MIA against good, you know, good teams, talented teams, you have to learn to compete at a different level. And these kids, you know, nobody's getting that anymore. They're not, you know, they don't, they don't really understand the competition part of the game. And that's what I told the kids after the game. I said, hey, man, you guys got to understand everyone is trying to beat you. You know, it's kind of was a wake-up call. Um, and then, you know, they were in the dumps that they lost the game, and that wasn't a good start, start to our season. But, uh, you know, that, that, that's the major thing to me is they don't, you know, it's the, the learning how to compete and someone is going to give their all to beat you. You have to give their, your all, you know, to win. And, and that's a learning process, even in high school now, to me, the way I look at it. Um, you know, and, and, you know, it's just the culture of the kids today. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think it's some programs for sure. Um, you know, for, for that, when you talk about certain teams and how they can play. And, um, but it's always, I think it's always a matter of, like, so, so, to get a, group of people to like you said in your words buy into the single concept of whatever our goal is and work towards that goal um is very you know it's it's not an easy task to do at any level um and any team at any time you know but that's the that's the beauty of it and that's the joy of it and that's why that's why you get paid the big bucks coach that's why <laughs> well i do enjoy that i mean a lot of my, <laughs> to be honest a lot of my times you know spent thinking about that for sure it is tough for sure. You know, it's everybody's different backgrounds or different situations. Um, 
you know, but hopefully if with you guys bringing the guys in and guys want to be there, you figure that they were more likely to be on the same page. But like you said, it's just a matter of the, you know, putting their own stuff aside for the better of the team. But here's the, the, the joy of it is getting them understand that when you still do that, you and yourself will get better in return. Right. Yeah. So, very cool. So you talked about a lot of that baseball coaching, I guess, philosophy also that, that I like, because uh, I liked how you talked about that. There's truly two types of buying. Yes, you got to buy into the culture and the standards and the things of how we're going to do things, but also buying into like, here's how I'm going to teach you how to hit, or here's, here's what, you know, defensively the things we're going to do or pitching wise, here's the way we're going to go about our business. Um, so what are, you know, what are some of the uh, great ways that you're doing to kind of, you know, develop those, those players either. And you said you talked about hit tracks offensively. Yeah. I mean, it's weird with the hitting. Like I've been a, I did lessons in Baltimore back in 1990. I've been doing lessons in hitting. Yeah. You know, back, back then I th- thought I knew everything. Uh, now I feel like I know nothing. <laughs> so uh, it's, you, you kind of come full circle as a coach. Uh, some of that is um, I do less uh, messing with the hitters. Like I don't, you know, I'm not a yang and a yang guy. I call it where, you know, elbow two inches down, you know, you, this crazy stuff that you see sometimes. Um, but back in 1990, it's, it's ironically enough. And, and I know, people that know me that are around me know that I've been teaching, never called it launch angle and this, that, and the other, but I've been teaching that way since 1990. Mm. And I've ran into so much. I was, I was on an Island because I'm the only one back then that was teaching that everybody was teaching, you know, swing down and, you know, uh, my coach op, you know, I love him. You know what I mean? But uh, when I was in college, his thing was, well, you you know, you're 140 pounds. You're not going to hit for power, hit the ball on the ground and run. Well, I was a seven, five runner, so I wasn't going anywhere too fast. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I realized a long time ago that, you know, you have to drive the baseball. You cannot just, you know, it's very difficult to just slap the ball around and make yourself into even a college player today. When you go to these showcases, they don't want to see guys that, you know, you hit three balls between short and third you're not getting a scholarship to that team, <laughs> you know, at college most of the time, they want to see more someone driving the baseball. And that goes back to scouting a little bit. You know, uh, you know, uh, Walter Yaus told me one day, look, if, if as a scout, if you see a kid do something one time, a lot of times that's all you're looking for. And then you have to have the, uh, you know, your staff as a coaching staff has to be able to pull that out of them. And so they can do it more than that one time. Um, so that always stuck with me uh, about that, but, you know, from the technical side, uh, some things I see without getting into techniques yet is that so many kids are screwed up mentally. They go to so many different hitting coaches, um, you you know, all these different things and they get so much, uh, information then they get in the box and, and they're frozen. You know, they're just, they're just so tight. They can't move. So I tell the kids up front, I'm like, look, if you, and I tell the parents this as well, if you're going to go, go, you know, spend your money by doing lessons, I've done it all. I'm not saying those people are bad or whatever, and I'm not saying anything. I want them to teach you to hit if you, if they can and make you the best hitter in the world. I'll be all for that. I'll send them as much business as they can handle. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, I really haven't seen a lot of guys to do that. But if you're going to do that as a parent, I'm not going to bring your kid in and start changing him what you're spending your money on. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a high school coach, you know, most of the other ones in the area, I would, 
from what I hear from kids, you know, you're going to kind of do it their way. And that's the way it's going to be. Uh, but then their parents, if they're not hitting, are going to send them to this hitting coach and they're going to be doing something totally different. So I, I try to, you know, I'm really kid driven, meaning I, I'm more worried about the kid and what he wants to do in baseball and the development of the kid. I want to win and all those type of things. But I, I think development is first for me and I have to stay true to that. And if the kid's goal is to go to, uh, you know, Mississippi State to play baseball, you know, I'm going to try to give him the, the best coaching I can to meet that. And in the hitting department, what I find is the mentality part of it is is the big undoing of most hitters. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I've, there's only a couple of hitters in the last couple, you know, seven, eight years that I've seen at Loyola and all the different teams that I thought were very, very good hitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's, you know, that's just the way I look at it. Uh, and, and, you know, I think part of that is, is the mental part when they get in the box, uh, you know, that it's a lot of pressure on them and we, we call it ETF at Loyola that's called embrace the fear. You know, a lot of kids have fear, you know, they not fear of the ball hitting them, but just fear of the totality of trying to hit the baseball. And there's so many different variables to it. Uh, a lot of these kids are afraid to make mistakes. They're, you know, <clears throat> you know, it's so many different things that bother them in the box. Uh, they get struck out and they carry it to the next at bat and the next at bat. And, you know, I just tell them ETF, man, we're trying to embrace the fear. Let's not run from it. Let's embrace it. Know it's going to happen. And let's just embrace it and have fun with it. <clears throat> and I think once kids learn how to do that, it takes the pressure off of them, especially they when they know a coach has that mindset that it's like, hey, dude, it's okay. It's okay to make a mistake. Let's go, but let's go at it 100% and let's have fun with it. Um, and the fun factor sometimes will take the fear away from the kids as well. Um, but those are things that I see from a hitting aspect. Um, you know, and then the last part I'll say about that is the kids don't watch hitters. You know, when we, I know when I was a kid, I, I could almost do everybody in. I know at least on the Orioles, if not a lot of the other AL teams, I could do their batting stance. I knew exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. But what do we look at today? If it's on the MLB show and our focus isn't on watching that as a kid, they're on, you know, they're actually playing the game. So they're not watching for the technique, things like that. We were trying to emulate the guys that we watched, but kids don't do that today. And I think that's another reason why uh, some of the level of play uh, in some instances, I, I wouldn't say there's a lot of kids I think that are better today than when, you know, I played, mm-hmm. but I think the majority of them are not, you know, there's a core group, you know, if you just look at the showcase deal, there's 10 to 20, maybe, maybe more than that. Maybe I'm cutting it short 20 to say 20 to 30 teams throughout the country that are very, very good teams uh, that have multiple top division one kids on their team. And then everybody else is just out there to fend with decent players. Um, so I, I think I think kids don't watch that enough. And that's another thing that we use for hitting is, you know, video, <clears throat> trying to show these guys different swings from different guys and, and show them that uh, the way we teach at Loyola, there's only a couple really big movements. Uh, and you can go back and I use the, you know, there's another thing that I say to kids and parents all the time. I can get in the batter's box and still swing a little bit where I can 
you know, look a little bit to what a swing's supposed to be. But, you know, the, the, <laughs> the problem is I would rather have Mike Trout and look at him and try to emulate what he's doing rather than, you know, emulate a guy who's, you know, a high school coach, you know, trying to get them to do certain things. Uh, it helps when they look and see what the guy actually does in a frame by frame, you know, that we'll post up on, on the video. Um, then me trying to tell them every, you know, yin and yang, if you will, what you're supposed to do uh, in the box. So, uh, you know, we'll look at swings that way. We'll really break it down to a couple movements, uh, a couple. We, we try to break the norms of what they've been taught by, uh, you know, their rec ball coaches as they were younger or uh, even their dads in a lot of cases. A lot of times they're not giving them the most correct information. So we'll explain that to them. Uh, I use the verbiage of, uh, you know, chop the wood, all these different things that have been taught to them. And then I explain to them, you know, what I think is wrong with that. You know, I don't know. I don't know if it's truly wrong. Nobody does really. But I think it's been shown to pretty say that that thing there for me doesn't generate the most power for for guys to be able to drive the baseball. So that's why I'm like, uh, you know, I'm a little picky about that verbiage. I don't like that. I don't like kids that, you know, do that. I, I try to get them out of it. Um, but if you watch everybody in the big leagues, uh, you'll see them really not have that mentality. Sure. I mean, and maybe they might be thinking it, but their body certainly might not be right. doing it. Yeah. You know, which is always what you're saying is you just never know what is going to work for somebody. Uh, exactly. Maybe they are thinking it, but they're certainly not doing it. Yep. Um, so that is what's tough. That's for certainly that's what's tough. Um, the, the ETF is really cool. Embrace the fear. Um, that's the mentality stuff you're talking about. Is that something that you try to bring in? Like you do a lot of work with the mentality, uh, like during practices, that's something you maybe do like during classroom sessions. Uh, when do you get a chance to, when do you get a chance to talk about that stuff? Well, what I do is I kind of use it. Uh, what I do is I give them tests. So we'll go over a lot of things in practice. Uh, I give them out information like a little playbook. Um, you know, people, I don't care if people know this, we don't have signs. So we don't, we don't have signs of Loyola and people are like, oh, you know, you don't have signs, this, that, and the other. I don't really feel like you need them at, at this level. Uh, and the reason being is we have a system. You know, when we get in a situation, we're going to do a certain thing. And um, we're either going to leave it on, it's automatically on, or we're going to take it off. That's it. You know, I, I used to drive myself crazy with the signs, trying to get the kids to, to you know, to read the signs. And, and it's always a missed sign here or there or whatever. And I'm just trying to get them to do the system. I, I want to take out all the thinking that I can, you know, for the player. If he's looking at me worried about the sign, he's not playing the game. So I want to explain to them in practice. We go over it multiple times. We'll have it in playbook form. And then I give them a test on it. So that should give them enough reinforcement. And, and I like the test part of it because what it does is it lets me know if I'm really getting through to them. When I see their answers, I'm like, I must have screwed this up. It's not the kid's fault. It's my fault. You know, I didn't explain this correctly to this kid. He doesn't understand what I'm asking him to do. So that helps me become a better coach. Every answer that I get from these kids, I know right away, this kid got it. It was good. It made sense. 
this kid did not, and I need to go back over this. So, um, but we give them a playbook. We give them the test. Uh, you know, we go over it a lot in practice. We only, you know, I'm a very, uh, you know, as far as we don't do a lot of stuff. There's a couple major things, you know, that I teach uh, as far as offense and defense, and we, we stay true to them. And as basic as this, we're going to be aggressive offensively, but defensively, if I, if I want to be aggressive offensively, why am I aggressive? You know, I'm aggressive because I want the other team to make mistakes. So defensively, I don't want to make mistakes because I'm, I understand what I'm trying to do. I, I, I see a lot of coaches don't play the game that way. So if I'm offensively trying to be, you know, creating havoc on the base pass and doing different things at the plate, why would I want to throw the ball around when I'm trying to get the defense to throw the ball around? It doesn't make any sense, you know? And uh, so, I mean, th that's basically our philosophy. You know, I, I mean, we're going to be aggressive offensively and, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to try to keep, we're going to try to, to make the other team, you know, give up outs to move to the next base. They're going to either have to give up outs. If they get hits, I'm good with it. You know, I, I don't want them to get hits, but you know what I mean? At least they're, at least they're doing something to generate a score. I do not want to give up anything. So, you know, that's, that's our goal. That's the way we play it. And, um, you know, in, in the spirit of the game, sometimes you have to, you know, you have to do things in the first and third, third situation or bunch situations, you know, to, to try to keep a kid off a of base. I'm not saying we don't ever do that, but in general, you know, that's our philosophy. That's it. It's simple. Uh, it makes sense. And once you explain it, to, the problem is, is explaining it to the kids because, mm -hmm. you know, you're, if you ever go to a youth baseball game and, you know, there's a ball that's, you know, kids in a rundown or whatever, the whole field is screaming. <laughs> the right. kid doesn't know what to do. He's never been coached on that. You got the coaches screaming, the parents screaming, and the kids just, you know, he's looking for help. He don't know what the heck to do. So um, we, we try to cut all that out, make it very simple, explain to them, you know, how that we're going to handle those situations. And then uh, we do all of our coaching uh, pretty much during practice. During the game, it's just, hey, have fun. We're not, we're not, you know, I, I, situationally, we're always coaching. But techniques and things like that, we're, we're going to wait till after the game or the next practice to kind of go over that stuff. It's good to have fun, embrace the fear, you know, and then you take those things, like you said, feedback on what you need to do and get better for next time. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Writing down some notes here. That's good. all right. Um, so how have within this system that you do, is it change at all from like the freshmen that come in to, you know, to your varsity guys that are there every day, you know, your everyday guys, how does it change? How do you, how do you uh, adapt that to the, I guess, you know, to all the different levels that you're going to have as a, from freshmen to seniors? So basically, I'll, we go a little bit farther than that, you know, when we can. Uh, we have a middle school. So if I can incorporate mm. younger guys at a practice, I'm going to do it. I want them, number one, to hopefully get better coaching, get coached the way we're going to coach it, get comfortable with the coaches uh, as quick as they can. 
and we start as quick as we can doing that. Uh, once we get a kid who, you know, reaches out to the coach to say, hey, you know, we'd like to play baseball here or my son's interested in it, uh, no matter what their level is, you know, they're encouraged to come out and uh, we try to get them in right in the gate. As far as the freshmen go, um, our, we have a JV and a varsity and we practice together. That, that's been a big key for me. I've been doing it for a long time. You know, the younger kids, they learn right away uh, from the kids. You know, they, they learn from the kids as well. They're going to learn how we're going to do it. They have to push the pace for themselves physically to be able to hang with a lot of times an 18 year old kid. We don't, I'm never going to put them in an injury situation. I know when they're overmatched in certain areas, I wouldn't, you know, we would have freshmen or sophomores pitch against freshmen, sophomores, you know, and things like that. We, we make sure that works, but they're getting the same coaching every day that we're coaching on the varsity level. Mm. And, um, you know, that's the way we do it. We kind of run, we have some, uh, a practice plan that, that gets everybody pretty much moving. Um, so we usually, we don't have the numbers of some of the schools. So generally in our program, we're going to only have, uh, you know, around 40 guys on both teams, uh, 20 and 20. And, you know, when you have a couple POs, like we usually do, you know, two or three POs um, on each team, you know, you're down to a, a number that's, that's workable in your practice. Oh. So um, our practices actually work better with the more kids the less kids, it becomes difficult to run the practice the way we do it. So that's another reason why we kind of, uh, you know, mesh the two together. And the other thing is, uh, my son was in high school. We live in Hartford County. He went to Loyola. You know, if the JV uh, varsity practice first and was done at five o'clock and the JV started at five, which they did sometimes, you know, the kids that live in Hartford or Carroll County or Anne Arundel County, they weren't getting home till seven, eight o'clock at night. And then to do homework at the level of the academic, uh, you know, school that Loyola is, is very difficult. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of think, you know, like a family person, <laughs> I put that all into my equation and everything else. So that was another uh, major reason why we did it that way. So you can get all the guys, everyone's out of five. Yep. That's and we, two hour practices and we're done generally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's dive into a little bit of practice. What do you love? What do you love about? What do you love about practice? Well, I mean, of course, as a as a teacher, you know, and I feel right. like I'm a teacher. I, I love that part of it. Uh, number two, and I love the you know the the aspect of the kids being out there and getting to know each other, uh, being in different situations, uh, and that's another big thing of doing all the coaching together with the freshmen and the JV. I don't know how you were in high school, but you know, I knew everybody in the senior class. I didn't know too many guys that were freshmen or sophomores where, you know, 10 years later, if I see them in a bar or restaurant somewhere, I'm going to go up and say, Hey man, what's going on this way? You know, the kids, they, I, I, I get so much joy out of watching freshmen have a conversation with, you know, the big, the big senior on campus or, you know, being able to, you know, watch them play catch together and things like that. Uh, you know, again, that goes back to the culture thing. That's, you know, that's, that's what really helps out. But, you know, just, I, I love to watch the development from kids who were not getting it to now they're getting it and watch the player they become right in front of your eyes as a coach. And we've had some really good players, uh, 
you know, that could do that. Matt Wyatt was one of them. Kid Will Glock was another one. Uh, A.J. Holcomb. We've had some great players there who really, um, you know, were great talented and you've seen them get better. And then we had a kid this year, Kyle Long, who, you know, didn't play at all hardly until his senior year. So when you see a kid who gets cut from the the JV as as a freshman end up coming through and at the end starting, you know, you watch number one is work ethic and you watch how much he listened to the coaching, man, there's, there's nothing more rewarding than watching those type of things. You watch a tall, tall, skinny kid like Matt Wyatt, who was throwing, you know, 79, 80 as a freshman, you know, now you watch him on the tube at UVA and he's throwing Mm. 99 (laughs) and, uh, you know, it's kind of, you know, interesting to, to watch that, but those are the kind of things in, in practice that get me the things that frustrate you of course, are the kids that don't get it and continue to make, you know, the same mistakes that you're coaching over and over again. And um, what I find there is that a lot of the kids are not used to being coached, you know, at, at a level where, you know, you're being watched on every move that you do, you know, and that's where they're like, oh, he actually saw that, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not missing a trick, buddy. I'm, I tell them right up front, if I miss something, I said, it's going to be very few and far between because I'm watching everything you do. Um, so, you know, those are the things that really get me as a coach that you really enjoy uh, to be around the kids. And I, I do this during BP. I walk around and I just talk to the kid one-on-one. Hey, you know, what are you doing? What are you up to outside of baseball? Um, you know, try to get them, a, you know, ask them questions. I learn as much from the kids. Hey, man, what do you like about this practice? What do you don't like? I've done that every year just to try to get their feedback on different things that, you know, they wanted to do or not do. So that's kind of how I use practice time. And then, you know, the technique things like the rundowns and all those type of things, you know, they're, they're five minute deals for me, man, in and out. We're going to do the things that we do every game the most. We're getting the most reps on fly balls, ground balls, hitting, uh, you know, any, anything like that. You know, that's what we do in baseball. We catch the ball and we throw the ball and we hit the ball. And, you know, I'm not wasting a lot of time practicing on things other than that, than that at this level, because that's what the kids need mostly. You know, you, you have, I have kids, I watch them in some of these games. They don't get a ball. I go back and look at their game changer. They don't get a ball during the game. Mm-hmm. Well, how's Johnny getting any better? He went out there for two hours down at the PG national, whatever they want to call it. And he's played two games. He hadn't got a ball hit to him yet. He's walked three times and they paid, you know, a bunch of money to go down there and they, they haven't gotten better. So I'm, you know, I'm a, that probably tells you I'm a big practice guy. I love practice. Uh, I have a lot of energy during practice. I like for the teams to have energy, have some fun. It's a hundred percent in our practice. It's, it's game. Like I generally see the most improvement from our outfielders. They're not used to that. Uh, we make them, they must go after the baseball. They must go after the base. They must want the baseball. And if they don't, they're not going to play here. I tell them that the first day. If you don't want the baseball, then you're not going to play here. Uh, You know, they're all going to go after it 100%. And um, when you really watch the kids do that, and we have a senior center fielder, you know, that's going to be there this year. You know, in the beginning when he got there, he didn't have that mindset. When you go out and watch him take fly balls now, the other team's like, wow, he's going to get the ball, you know, yeah. he can get it. And that, that's, you know, that's what the mentality has got to be. 
and you have to burn that mindset into them because they don't have it generally as a freshman in high school. Yeah, just the practice sense. This is a practice. Is that something that you're just uh, you're just kind of holding them accountable during BP? Well, our, our BP is a defensive drill. Okay. So I I'm really good with the fungo. Yeah. But I I cannot. There's no coach that can you know make the ball, especially at the corner outfield positions. You know, tail left, tail right. You can't do that. It's coming off the bat. So we use every BP ball that comes off the bat is a hundred percent. Everyone. And if I don't see you going a hundred percent, I don't miss it. Um, so what we do is when we have the multiple guys at each position, we usually have two guys at each position and the next guy's jumping right up. I don't want five guys that I, I watch some people take BP and they got 10 guys standing in the outfield. We, we don't do any of that. It's one guy at each position or there might be some guys in left field, you know, waiting for that guy to get a rep. He's sprinting to get that next ball because we don't slow down on the hitting part. We make them hustle to get to the, to get there um, to get that next live rep. I don't want to see one rep, uh, you know, missed. Now, what I do is with the infielders, we do the same exact thing. We just curtail the throwing. There's, you know, you couldn't throw that many throws, right? You know, to do that. So. It's very, very simple. Guys, when you've had enough throws, you're done. I'm not going to say nothing. When you don't throw one, I'm not going to say nothing. You're just letting me know that, you know, your arm's tired or you think it's going to get tired and we're not going to push that envelope. But you're going to make some of those plays uh, and you're going to go after every ball 100%. You don't have to throw it, but you have to field it and do everything else the right way. you know, you're doing that play. I mean, I've done, I'll do it where we have three catchers in there and the catcher, every pitch that's hit the next catcher is jumping in the box. So if it's a ground ball to short, he's got to run down and back up first base. You know, we always talk about that. I don't care what field it is. I go to a little league field or 12 U field and a catcher in Maryland. I've seen back up first base. Hmm. Well, how do they learn it? They don't because they don't do it in practice, but that's how we run our practices someday. So, uh, mm. you know, we'll do that from the catcher aspect. So we, um, you know, I mean that, that, you know, we, we get after it in practice. That's why it's only two hours. Sometimes it doesn't go that long. Um, but we'll do whatever we're going to do, like, uh, situational, the defense, uh, you know, relays, things like that. We'll do that in the first part. And there's not too many days that we don't run that practice with a, a BP at the end. Mm-hmm. The BP, the the basically the the defensive BP, basically yep. what you're saying it's like a live BP action. Yep. Yeah. Before. Yep. Yeah, because like I said, I think that's great. I think it's great. Your fungo was not going to simulate that left-handed ball, that left-handed batter that's slicing away from your left-handed fielder. That's very true. Yep. And yeah. Same thing with the you know different spins on the ground ball. It's the same thing, you know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you go to ABCA, but I was watching. We watched uh, Kai Correa give a. Yeah, a great talk on that on that and explain that, you know, with right handed, left handed fungo hitters to the corner guys. Uh, again, you cannot generally most high school staffs don't have the wherewithal to recreate that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we just take it out. We do everything, you know, live off the bat. And uh, the kids like doing it anyway, because it's the closest thing to playing a game that they're doing. You know, they're playing it live and then they're. Our guys, he so offensively, we do the same thing. Offensively, you know, the last hit, he runs it out, you know, runs out the ball, and then he runs every base. Uh, generally, a lot of times until his 
till his round is done, his group round or whatever. And, uh, he'll, you know, he'll run every base like no one else is on. Mm-hmm. He's, making, he's making the decision whether to go or not. He can make the decision whether to tag, go in contact from third base. At second base, we have a technique that we do, and he's mm-hmm. going to, you know, he's going to do it that way. If he doesn't, I'm correcting right away or another coach or another player, especially for the young guys. We'll see a lot of young guys make mistakes on the bases early. And uh, that that's, you know, that's how we, we run the practice. They're getting corrected right away, and they're going to get the praise right away. So when a kid reads it right after doing it wrong the first 10 days of practice, he's going to know about it. I'm probably going to hug him, yell and scream, so everybody knows that I didn't miss that. Because, you know, it's all it's easy to beat these jokers up all the time, but you better praise them when they do it the right way as well. Absolutely. Yeah, take us some notes. That's good. It's easy to beat them up. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great, Coach. Very great. Awesome. Um, so I'm just thinking, like, situationally, you know, because you said you talk situational baseball. Uh, how do you – do you incorporate that during BP, or is that a different type of – is that a different time in your practice? Yeah, we – well, we we really should do it more in BP, but but our BP is so fast-paced, mm-hmm. it's hard to change right, you know, right then. Yeah. Uh, we, we can do a group of them. And say, hey, we're gonna, you know, run double plays now for the infielders or whatever. Um, but um, generally, we do that before practice. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, before the BP, we'll do anything situationally before then, and give them an idea of okay. what we're looking for. Yeah. So all that, like deep on defenses, first and thirds, you know, even first and second base running, all that's yep. kind of done before the BP. Yep. Okay. So more like this session. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, I just wanted to. Know, I was just thinking about that myself. Yeah, I mean, I just love the fact that there's this, there isn't anything. And I think a lot of times with baseballs, like what we don't do is, is we're like a sport that, I mean, you, you, you would not see a basketball team go out and not pry and not play, you know, in a, in a practice. You know, you don't, you just, and then, but baseball wise, we segment so many different things and you don't see guys playing as much. And like you said, that your BP is kind of simulating as close as you can to playing a game. Yep. So how will you uh, – so then during – like, because I'm saying, like, do you guys – will you guys – probably preseason, inner squad, uh, those kind of things. How do you like to – because you seem like you like to keep things fast-paced, like keep things moving, putting in your system. Um, do you have any specific ways you do inner squads when guys throwing each other? Well, yeah, we pretty much – yeah, it's funny you say that. Because in the last uh, – I guess the last two years, the, the year even for COVID, we started doing it. So we started doing a machine uh, pitch um, inner squad. Okay. Uh, it, you know, it gets you those defensive reps, and that's where you get your situational. We have, a, you know, a guy feeding the machine, and the batter is, is getting a full bat. And uh, then, you know, whatever base he makes or doesn't make, that changes the situation. And then that's when we can yell out a situation. We have about 10 seconds between each uh each batter or each swing or, you know, each at bat. And uh, then we'll do it that. And our coaches really like that. You know, again, it gets us so many situations so quick. And it also gives us, it, you know, our guys are inter- interchangeable. So, so what I mean by that is JV and varsity, those guys are doing it. So we might have an infield sometimes of a JV second baseman and a, and a senior shortstop. 
you know, things like that. So again, you're making a freshman uncomfortable being in that situation. You know, they feel the pressure of being with the big guys. Yeah. So they get some of that as well. And uh, so you get a lot of different variations of the kids that are out there. You get a lot of peer coaching. So they're, I watch them all the time. They're telling them what to do. These are things that we don't think about as coaches, but they mean so much to these kids. And, when, you know, both as a giver and a taker. So if the shortstop, you know, takes a minute to teach a kid something, you know, number one, it lets you know as a coach he understands it. Mm. And number two, he's not going to be afraid once he gets out in the real world to state his position to someone else. You know, and those are things that get lost on us as coaches anymore. Um, but generally, you know, that's when we see a lot of that happen in those situations. So, again, it's fast paced. We would have uh, we've done it team wise. Uh, we break it down into three teams. Uh, we have a pitcher on the mound that's not feeding, but is playing the pitching position. So he has to do the backups and anything like that. Uh, ground balls, the first baseman he yep. has to cover all those type of things. So, yeah, we just incorporate that right in. I mean, sometimes, you know, to get the pitchers work, we do it the conventional way. But uh, a lot of times when we're just trying to get situational work, we'll do it with the with the uh, pitching machine. Now you said three teams. I'm assuming it will be like you basically, and then you just rotate between offense, defense. Yeah. Uh, well, we do six. We do six outs. Okay. So we do six outs after every uh, three. We resituationalize to zero outs. Yep. And then, uh, but the six out stops the. You know, you could throw three pitches and they hit three ground balls a short. You're out of the deal. So right. Uh, we we just we make it six. They get two two innings actually every at bat. Hmm. Okay. Very cool. Mm. Really cool. All right. Nice. Nice. Um, Coach, I was thinking about like just the stuff that you had mentioned, and I mentioned you were kid driven. I mean, you mentioned about getting in the real world. You know, this stuff doesn't seem. You know, you don't go too far without talking about how you're developing kids and developing the person. Um. You know, is there is there are things you know when you think of the in terms of like leadership, uh, you think in terms of like what you're doing to even develop the person itself. You know, because it sounds you know you've mentioned it multiple times here today, and just kind of wondering how you kind of incorporate down to your program. You know, and what you do, do you do anything intentional, like specific things that you're helping to grow the person, or um, and like you said, help them more in those real world situations. Well, the first thing I, I do is uh, I have a mindset. This is my mindset with the yeah. leadership. So, you know, my mindset is the kids come to Loyola. You know, it's a private school. Their parents pay money for the kids to go to school there. Uh, I don't want to be a program where we say, hey, we have three camp, three captains. So we have three captains that are going to do all the leadership in the baseball program. And you other 17 people, you're not going to learn about leadership. We're going to leave it up to all these three guys right here. So number one, we have no captains. Uh, I don't, I'm training these kids all to be leaders, not, you know, just three guys. So that's my mindset. So we don't have any captains as far as that goes. You know, every team has a hierarchy of uh, players or personalities, if you will, that'll, you know, kids will take that leadership role unannounced. They don't need me to tell them who the leader is or, uh you know, a vote by their friends or the ones that are well, most well-liked, it cuts all that stuff out. So 
again, you'll see kids be more open. And I, and I push the envelope on that. They know where I'm coming from. They know that's my philosophy. And they know that they're going to be asked to be in a leadership position at some point in the season. Uh, so, you know, our first thing is you have to learn how to lead yourself. You know, this, I, you know, I hear many, uh, you know, it's in many books and many things like that. And 99% of the things we're talking about, I probably got some form of some from someone else. I know I hear people now that I mentioned it a, a couple of years ago, you know, lead yourself. But I just was thinking of that one day. I'm like, man, you know, you know, you have to lead yourself first. I, you know, because I had as a person, I, I've been growing and I've been figuring out what I like and what I don't like. And, you know, that's kind of about leading yourself. Well, these things I'm going to stay away from and these things I'm going to embrace, you know, and that's that's what really leadership is in a way, you know, but you have to find out and be comfortable within yourself. And if you're not, then you're not really going to have the leadership capabilities. So, you know, we talk about that all the time, especially when they go to college. And the next day or two, I'm going to send out a text to every one of these guys. And the first sentence is going to be, look, we always talk about leading yourself first, because now you're, you're in a, a different environment. You don't know anyone. The only people that you know are living in the dorms, drinking beer and, you know, doing things that maybe, you know, aren't always the right thing. So you're going to be in more situations all of a sudden in a snap of a finger, these kids are going to be in situations where they need to make sure they're leading themselves. You know, you're not going to lead the hallways of the frat house. You know, a lot of times you better lead yourself first. So you're not caught up in any type of situation. So, uh, you know, we promote that a lot. Uh, of course, I always pick on the kids who are the least, you know, leadership, the, the quiet kids, those type of things. I'm, I'm asking them, I did it the other day. I asked the kid, you know, hey, I want you to go over this with these kids. We were we had some younger kids there. What is your mindset when you get on first base? And I wanted two things. I wanted the number one, he gets the idea of him being able to, to you know, explain himself in front of a group of kids. Number two, it lets me know, you know, how much he understands about your situational or technique type of stuff that you're doing, you know, that you're teaching them. So it's a win-win either way, but I'm going to let them, you know, do those type of things all the time, you know, so, so they can, you know, learn how to navigate being that you don't see, I don't, I'm that type of guys. I like a lot of things to be done naturally. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, kids know when you're not being real with them. And I think kids are, they're smarter in some ways, but you know, in, in other ways, the street smarts and how to deal with people, they know how to text really good, but they struggle learning how to deal with people. So if I'm not natural in the way I do things or any coach, when they're in the, when you're not around, they're, they're telling everybody else, Hey man, this guy's full of it. You know, he doesn't really believe in what he's doing and they're not going to buy into what you're doing. You know, they know you have to be in, you know, it's got to keep it 100, as they say, you know, it's got to yeah. be 100, you know, and I'm an old cat. But I try to, you know, keep up with that stuff. And when I say those type of things, you know, they just roar. You know, they laugh their butts off. But, uh, you know, I got to know where they're coming from. And that's one thing I learned. I tell people, you know, you can't bullcrap a bullcrapper. You know, and that's the way the kids are. You can do a lot of stuff and, you know, but you're not going to fool those kids. They feel that, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's one good thing that kids 
can do. They know when someone's being real with them or not. So, you know, to me, that's part of my leadership. And then I hope that spills out to them to feel the same way back to the coaching staff. You know, I want them to be able to be free to speak with us. You know, that's another thing that, you know, I talked about a little bit earlier. You're asking a kid to go up to a 50-year-old man and have a conversation with them. I mean, how many times do kids do that? They, right. You don't think about that. When they go away, that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to converse with people that they're uncomfortable with. Right. So, you know, I, I look at look for those type of things. Are they okay to do that? Uh, if they're not, I push the envelope with them. If the guy's crazy and goes up and talks to anybody, then I don't deal with him with that. I know he's good with that. Mm-hmm. So that's part of knowing your team and, and, and knowing the personalities uh, you know, I mean, I, I get close with these kids. There's no question about it. Um, I, you know, I open up to them. They're just part of my family and, uh, they know that going in. It's not like that for, you know, there's always a kid or two who, you know, maybe has parents in the background or saying you're a bad coach and this, that, and the other, cause Johnny's not playing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I try not to have that, you know, and, and, you know, part of my thing is I'm very upfront about everything. So when I, when I deal with a kid the first day, I explain to them the way I am, the way the program's going to be run, and, you know, the playing time situation, uh, you know, all these different things up front. And then if I have to change, the parents are going to know, like via injury or some things like that, you know, things change. You have to be able to be flexible as a coach. And I don't want the parents come back and say, oh, no, I caught you. You know, you, you didn't say you were going to do that. You know, that's not the way I want to live my life. I'm doing the best I can for the 20 to 40 kids that are in our program. You're not going to get me with I got you. You know, I'm going to leave it open to let you know these things may happen. And if they do, I'm going to let you know. But uh, the parents know exactly what's going to go on, how the kids are going to be coached, uh, all these different things. Of course, I, you know, just like everybody else, I don't want them near the field giving their kids instruction. Mm-hmm. But, I, but if, if, you know, if, if you have a kid and, and he's in his eighth grade and he's having trouble with uh, geometry or algebra, you call the school and you talk to the teacher. But a lot of coaches, they're having trouble in the field of baseball class and you don't want to talk to them. You know, number one, if that's the case, then you didn't t- you didn't make your information known up front well enough and they have to come and ask you a question. See, I don't want to answer them. I don't want to answer any questions not because I'm afraid of the deal with the parent, it's because I want them to know everything up front and then I don't have to deal with it anymore. And if I have to deal with it, all I go back to is like look, I mentioned this before in an email, this is the way I'm going to handle this situation. Conversations over. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? You know, hey, do you remember that? Yes, yes, sir, I remember. And that's the way we did it. So at that point, the conversation's pretty much over. (laughs) You know, hey, I did everything I said I was going to do. What else can you ask me? I told you day one the way I was and the way I was going to be. And, you know, there's really no big conversation into that. Um, You know, a lot of times you'll get parents who have some type of, you know, situation in their family or whatever, and they'll, they'll give you information to help you or it'll be on the lookout for a kid's behavior, uh, you know, and things like that. But, um, you know, that's all those things are, you know, some of those people may not think apply to leadership, but to me, they do, you know, and, and, you know, kids, I tell kids all the time, you can come up to me and ask me about playing time, but I already know the answer. 
every coach already knows the answer. And if he doesn't, then, you know, he's has some politics in his, uh, in, in his team or, you know, he just doesn't spew it out, but you know, the best players are going to play. They got to play in the MIA for you to be able to compete. You, you just can't play everybody. And, you know, you know, it's a competition and that's part of the leadership as well. You know, I tell the kids, the biggest thing they get to learn in high school is how to compete against another team and how to compete with their best friend for a position. That's a tough thing that gets lost. You very rarely hear that talked about from coaches, but you know, that's going to happen. Somebody's not going to play and you got to be able to handle that. And you got to be able to handle to compete with your best friend and want the best for him. And to be honest with you, that is a big part of leadership. And, and, and once kids are able to handle that, you know, when they leave you, they know something about competition. Generally, they know what they have to work harder in whatever situation it is. And, you know, whatever they're drawn to as a person, they're going to give that 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 uh, effort to, to be the best that they can be because they've already had that competition against somebody that they probably love, you know, and it's tough. Very tough. Very yeah. tough. For sure. For sure. Ah, Coach, I, I can't thank you enough, man. We're, we're here about an hour already. Um into it um i guess man i i would say if people would want to get more information from you because i feel like we can go on again um for a long time is if someone would want to reach out to you about more information that you're doing good things that you're doing what's the best way to contact you well just via email uh i'm on twitter at uh at baseball coach k most of my twitter is i'd say it's 95 95 to 99% baseball anyway so any type, anytime I see uh, a video snippet put up there by a coach or by uh, a media outlet where I think it'll help a kid uh, with a situation, I'll retweet it uh, because I'm following a lot of, you know, hitting and, and pitching guys, you know what I mean, where parents may not do that as much or know who they are and, and this, that, and the other. So uh, I put that out there for the kids as well. Um but, you know, any, you know, anything I can do to help someone, uh, whether they're at Loyola or they're not, I tell people this as well. One thing that, you know, that I tell parents that come to look at Loyola, listen, if you don't choose to come to Loyola, it, it doesn't mean that I'm going to have a negative thing again. I don't, I don't, I'm not in this business to do that. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the business to help kids, not just the kids at Loyola, but all the kids that I come into contact with. So you walk through my door one day, you know, I hope when I see you at, at, you know, you go to Calvert Hall per se, you know, I want to be able to, you know, you know, have a conversation with you to see how things are going. Uh, hopefully some of the things that we talked about help you, you know, and, and that's the type of person I want to be, you know, and then, uh, well, I mean, that's the type of person I am. So it doesn't really, you know, I don't have to worry about that. But, you know, uh, again, you know, that's it's not easy. There's a lot of decisions for families to go to a private school. So it's not cut and dry. So I don't, I don't feel like I have to be a, a jerk about it. <laughs> but, you know, if you're in it to help kids, help the kids. Coach Mike Kelly, giving us some great information. Just wrapping it up there, finishing up with how much of a helper he is, how much of a player-driven person coach he is, and talking about how he's there to help kids. I think that was a great way to end it come full circle seeing what kind of person he is you know another guy that's driven is 
Will Miner and the guys at Netting Pros. Just can't thank these guys enough for sponsoring another podcast, man. Uh, you guys all know the Netting Professionals, they are improving programs one facility at a time. Will Meyer and the Netting Professional guys specialize in design, fabrication, installation of the custom netting for backstop, batting cages, dugouts, scoreboards, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. The guys at Netting Pros continue to provide quality products and services to many recreation, high school, and college fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Contact them at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn for all their latest projects and products. So, like I said, Netting Pros, those guys, Will Miner, Class Axe guys, man, love to be fortunate, blessed to be a part of the Netting Pros family um, with some other great podcasts out there that are just trying to spread the word, man, trying to grow the game, give out the best content we can, and help in more ways than one. Just like Coach Kelly is. Coach Kelly is a big helper, um, wants to help people, and uh, just loved how he said he was kid-driven. And then loved how he finished it up there with just being ready to help kids, and that's what he's trying to do. Um, loved how he is a practice-first coach. The games are for the kids. The games are feedback for him. Very much in line with that philosophy. And I love that. I've heard about it from a, bunch of front, from a bunch of other great coaches. Love that you said lead yourself. You need to first make sure that you're leading yourself first. We should have that in our more people than just young people need to know that. We have to lead ourselves before we can lead others. Can't agree with it more. Love that. Love that. So Coach Kelly from Little Blakefield, thanks so much. Appreciate the time, appreciate the consideration, and thank you all for sticking with us here. Another episode, another week. We continue to bring out the best and try to bring out the best people we can. Guys that are about growing the game, showing these, showing how we can use the game as a platform to teach people beyond when the game is. Someone says that we can't play it anymore. So, and uh, Coach Kelly for sure is, is that kind of guy, and we appreciate him for taking the time to talk to us today and. Again, thank you, Will Meyer. Thank you to those who got at Netting Pros, and thank you guys. Please give us a like. Please give us a follow. Make sure you share, uh, share, with the, share with the staff, share with someone who might be thinking they need something extra. That's what this is all about. So, until next week, keep getting better. <laughs>